Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and along with me is Josh, Josh Humphreys. Thank you, Josh. Hey. So good to be with you as we are we are almost to Two our last podcast of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Yes. Wow. Technically, yes. No, that's right. Two, two, two more. Two more. Yeah, that's right. Because we have fiftieth episode. This is episode number fifty. Because the fifty-second episode actually goes into the new year, where we look back on the last week of reading Correct. for the year. But we are, uh, we we were in uh, a, what, Amos, finishing up Amos mm-hmm. and Obadiah. Obadiah is like this little tiny book that um, you really just have to really you have to really reach for that one. You have to if you were looking for some meat out of Obadiah. Not that it's meaningless. Obviously, it's the word of God. I don't want to take away from that. But uh, rarely is Obadiah one of my devotional <laughs> readings <laughs> that I just like. Oh man, Obadiah really spoke to me today. Um, but it does have a message. Um, n- not one that I took from it, but maybe you did. <laughs> no, uh, but also Jonah. And Jonah is one day reading the entire yeah. thing, and there's so much. I mean, you get an entire VeggieTales episode out of Jonah, and yet it is just one. You read all of Jonah in one day, uh, and it is an incredible story, probably one of the most popular stories of the Minor Prophets. So uh, right up there with Daniel in the Lion's Den, you have Jonah swallowed by the great fish. Some will say a whale, who, but uh, I will not. I will not dissect that today. No pun intended. The um, and then Micah, Micah is. Are you are you a whale? I'm sorry. Is that a are you a whale supporter? No, I just the dad joke to, next same to thing. Really. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Um, and then we get into Micah, and um, <laughs> am I a whale? Thanks, that's Troy. right. <laughs> a whale supporter wow. is a whale defender. I didn't mean. Hey, are you literally a whale? Yeah, well, um, but anyway. Whale. Um, and so um, you know. <laughs> you know, you can uh, be for Micah or you can counter. Anyway. <laughs> Gosh, today is a wreck. If you, I'm so if sorry. If you don't watch our live feed. I am like, so sorry. I'm just going to explain. If you don't watch our our live feed, if yeah. you've never done that, don't start today's episode because we <laughs> don't sat go, for don't go 25 back. minutes. That's right. Waiting for me to get here. Waiting for Troy so, to get here. Yeah. And After he said, hey, with, go ahead and start off. With engaging conversation. Oh, no, the conversation. Yeah. It was, it was about I, water. I'm looking forward to going back <laughs> and looking at all the things that you and Austin talked about while I was away. So well, first I invited everybody to church, and then we talked well, about there water, you go. and then it was well, that's not bad. Troy? That's not bad. Uh, we also are in Revelation. <laughs> we also are, are reading through Revelation, so there's always stimulating things to read in Revelation. Yes. So after you've gone back and watched the live version of it, then come back <laughs> to the audio. And uh, and we will uh, we are going to talk about what God revealed to us this week in the reading when we return. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, where we are looking at, we're getting to the end of God's word as we've been reading through the Bible together. And pointing out some things that stood out to us in the reading, and today is Josh's day to share first. So Josh, share with us what the Lord illuminated for you. Yeah, um, speaking, well, he revealed to me in the book of Revelation today, some, uh, not today, sorry, this past week, um, just some really cool things. Um, and I think that people are so afraid of Revelation that they avoid it. Um, and so when they avoid it, though, they miss so much about Jesus in it. And I'll never forget 
the reason why I'm, I'm in love with the book of Revelation the way that I am is because a few years ago, I went to Cross Conference, and the last sermon they did was, was done by David Platt, mm-hmm. and he preached a 42-point, sorry, 52-point sermon on the book of Revelation wow. in Jesus. And it In one sitting? And it was only, it was like 45 minutes long. It was wow. a very fast, like, fast pacing that he did, but he went through and he pointed out the beauty of Jesus in mm. Every single time that he was mentioned within the book of Revelation. Wow. And every time I read Revelation, the metaphors and all that stuff, they don't they don't stick out as much to me. I'm not hung up on, you know, the seven horns and the seven like that stuff doesn't it it doesn't like freak me out like it used to anymore because that's not necessarily the whole point of Revelation. The whole point of Revelation is Jesus is coming back for his people. And that is what strikes me every single time I read passages about Jesus within it. And Revelation 5, with the beginning, the scene of the scrolls, this like peek into this window of this, this the seals, the scroll um, that needs to be open. And it begins like this in Revelation 5, 1. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? Mm. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne. He has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and it's seven seals and that that in itself just that last he is worthy and that word worthy is just so important when we think of jesus it's just in general he's worthy of so much and a continual um thing that is repeated from the beginning of revelation to the end of it is um blessing and glory and wisdom and honor and power and might be to our God who sits on the throne. And he's worthy of all that praise. He's worthy of all that glory. And the proof is right here, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. There was only one perfection, one person who could open the scroll and it's Jesus. Hmm. And it, when I read this this week, it was no longer just like, Oh Jesus. It was like, no, this is this beautiful savior. And there's not much to say, like with my devotion, it's, it's not like some deep thing, but it's just, he's Lord and he is worthy and he is the Messiah. And that it's simple and it's beautiful. And that's, that's all there was to it. Mm. The, the word spoke for itself. Yeah. And all of it. And that is such a powerful moment. And, and, and it is funny that you say that it revealed, cause that's what revelation is. It yeah. is revealing. And, and he is giving us uh, this moment of, it, it kind of exemplifies the gospel all in yeah. one, one, yeah. one moment where none, none of us can uh, do that, which only Christ can do. And so we are, none of us are worthy mm-hmm. and, and just take the scroll out of the, the mm-hmm. picture for us. None of us are worthy to be in the right. presence of God, to right. do anything that right. God desires or whatever. It's only, he, he which, alone is worthy. Which is why the, the four, one of the 24 elders, when he says, stop weeping is so powerful. Mm. Cause it's like for that time, John sees himself unworthy. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth is worthy. And that would be a scary, mo- I mean, like 
it's just a highly anticipated moment and you realize next to god we're nothing there's mm. nothing we can do and you see your unworthiness and then the elder says stop weeping for the lion of judah has conquered and it's like oh, mm. yeah he's worthy and there's i don't I, he stops weeping there, there's no reason to be worried anymore because he's right there he has won the victory and he's worthy to open a scroll and seven seals mm. and it's just that Again, revelation seems so scary to some people, but when you see Jesus, when you see the character of Jesus, all that stuff, it just doesn't matter anymore. Like right. you just love God. And that's what he tells us to do. When when you do those things, this stuff, well, the, the him and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that when I read revelation, that's what I see. Just him. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I was looking in Psalm 144. And uh, verse 11, it says, set me free and rescue me from foreigners whose mouths speak lies, whose right hands are deceptive. Then our sons will be like plants nurtured in their youth, our daughters like corner pillars that are carved in the palace style. Our storehouses will be full, supplying all kinds of produce. Our flocks will increase by thousands and tens of thousands in our open fields. Our cattle will be well fed. There will be no breach in the walls, no going into captivity, and no cry of lament in our public squares. Happy are the people with such blessings. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And in the la- in that last verse... Uh, there are two conditions that the psalmist shows us, reveals through the inspiration of God um, for our for for true happiness. You know, I, I think a lot of people can be happy, uh, but this is but true happiness is defined by God. And and the first thing is we need to be delivered from our enemies and experience prosperity. And and really, prosperity is the absence of enemies uh, or at least any enemies with power. Uh, the second condition is that God has to do it. Um, there's a nuance in the second condition too, and that is that we are rightly related to God. Uh, most people doubt our God because uh, they're, they're happy people who are outside of the faith. And so it's like, well, these people are happy and they yeah. don't have religion. So then what's the point of God? And then they see a lot of people in the faith and who don't seem to be happy mm-hmm. and who aren't happy actually. And, and so it makes, it makes people question the faith. But, but the, but the only reason when you think about it, the only reason why people are happy outside of Christ is because they're ignorant of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't realize because the first revelation is bad news. And that yeah. is everyone's going to die and suffer for all eternity, an eternal separation from God. Now, once you have that news, and if you know that news is true, mm-hmm. then it's obviously that's not good news. That's really bad news. So then you need good news to counteract it. So people who have, um, so people who uh, who know that then need the good news, which is really great news. And that is, oh wait, Christ has made a way for you not to die and be eternally separated from joy and happiness and, right. and these things. And, well, God, and um, and so so you have uh, people who have um, people who have happiness and joy apart from Christ either don't know the first part of the gospel, which are ignorant, or don't believe uh, the second part, which is denial. Uh, either one doesn't change the reality, either one, whether you are ignorant or whether you are in denial, neither of those changes the reality of damnation. Yeah. And, and that is, that is why it is so important for us to, to recognize that, yeah, because people say, well, you lack prosperity. Where is your God in your prosperity? And it's like, 
well, we're believing that prosperity comes in our next life once we've overcome this world of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and once you really come to terms with that we live in a world of death, then you, when you have tornado disasters, when you have hurricanes, when you have cancer, when you have all these things, you realize, oh, wait, that's that's what you have in a world that of sin where death reigns. And, and so these things are just a reality. So we want to be able to have victory over these things. We need a, a new reality. We need a new world. We need a new earth, a new, a new place where we live without these things. And that's what God is promising us. If we will put our trust in him, he says, I'm going to bring you into this new, this promised land mm-hmm. where you will, where these things will not uh, have power over you or, or hold sway. And and so we put all of our faith in that. Now, obviously, if you don't believe that's true, then uh, then then that's, the gospel has no relevance mm-hmm. to you. But uh, that's that's that is the message that he gives to us, though, and that's the message we proclaim. Yeah. So I was going to do Psalm 140. But then as I was just like looking at it again, I want to do Psalm 141. Okay. But a lot of the Psalms this week were very intense yeah. Psalms. Yeah. Like, wow. And that's just kind of how my past two weeks have been for me. There's a lot of transitions happening in my life and they're very hard and they're very stretching and nothing but faith. Mm. And sometimes when you're in those moments, at least for me in these past two weeks, it has just been exhausting. Mm. Um, And like, Lord, where are you? I don't know where you are. I don't know where I'm at. Mm. And then you read Psalms like this. In Psalm 141, one through four is really important. And this is what it says. Oh, Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. And then it goes down a little bit further. But I pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds when they're... That's not what I wanted to read. Oh, that's what it is. Verse 8. I look to you for help, O sovereign Lord. You are my refuge. Don't let them kill me. Keep me from the traps they have set for me, from the snares of those who do wrong. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, but let me escape. Mm. And I think the Psalms are filled... With just moments of, like, not harshness, but just, well, yeah, the harshness of reality and um, the intenseness, intensity of life um, and honesty with God. And it's gotten to the point in the past two weeks where sometimes I just don't, e- I don't even know what to say because life is so overwhelming. And then you open your, your, your Bible to the Psalms and you realize, oh, hey, I can speak this to God just as they did. Um, and I've been able in the past two weeks to just open the book of Psalms. Um, pray about where the Lord wants me to be in it. And he leads, he has led me to a passage every day of what I need that day um, and has been beautiful. And so what I wanted to say about Psalm 140 is the same that I want to say about Psalm 141. Sometimes when you don't know what to pray, like for me the past two weeks, this is what I've prayed. And I ha- all I do is I just read them out loud and pray them to the Lord, knowing that the same God that they are speaking to here when this was written is the same God that I'm speaking to now. Um, because sometimes I just don't know what to say and I don't know how to, I don't know how to make decisions. I don't know how to talk to God sometimes because I just don't know anything. And that's the blessing of the Psalms um, is that you just get to see the reality of life um, and the reality of following the Lord and what faithfulness looks like and what praise looks like, even in honesty. 
Um, and it seems like always in the beginning, not that they're upset with God, but they're scared of life around them. But mm. by the end of the psalm, they offer praise. And so even in, in Psalm 141, it, verse 1, O Lord, I'm calling to you, please hurry. At the end in verse 8, I look to you for help, O sovereign Lord. And so it begins with sadness and and honestly, just like, I need help and I don't know what to do. And then it turns into, but you're still God. And so I trust in you. And that's mm. kind of been where I've been at. And so, yeah, my, my like devotional moment is, yeah, Psalms are good. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> they're not, they're not great for like reading for application and la, 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 you know, whatever, but sometimes they're just exactly what you need. And the Lord knows that. And so I know for me, reading the Psalms has never been like great. I've never like, Oh, I love the Psalms. <laughs> but this past two weeks has shown me it's a, a lot more to do with the heart than it is about your mind in the Psalms. And that's really helpful. Awesome. I love that. And I, you know, I always, when I read that and think about the incense, I never, when you grow up Baptist, you really don't understand the concept mm -hmm. of incense. Yeah. But <laughs> when I've been able to attend Orthodox services and so forth and see the incense that, um, uh, that uh, that people would use, and I was like, mm -hmm. I don't understand the purpose of that, yeah. but it is it does create this aroma, and uh, and it is symbolic of how our faith and obedience smells in the presence of God, and it and it just uh, it, it, I think sometimes our worship is is devoid of things that uh, that represent or show us how imagery. to get to get the imagery yeah, yeah that we're looking that we need it to show this is this is how god is receiving us and so forth because it yeah. does it reminds us of, right. of how we're coming into his presence one of the things that someone told me to do with, with imagery it was a mm -hmm. while ago but they were always saying hey when you when you're praying think about isaiah 6 mm. when you enter when when isaiah enters into the throne room and his cloak fills the entire um throne room and mm. it, the walls shake and there's praise like when you are speaking to God, you are speaking to him. Like, and it just changed when you, when you have imagery, it helps us understand in our limited limitedness. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just rambling, but I like your rambling. <laughs> I'm going to share something from revelation chapter six. It says, um, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs, when it's shaken by a mighty wind, then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, uh, the commanders, uh, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountain and said to the mountain and rocks, mm. fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Wow. I, uh, Oswald Chambers points that out that, you know, we know what uh, the wrath of God is. And, and when you think of the wrath of God, you think of him as a lion, um, which is the imagery that the word gives to us. But here you have, uh, and when you think of the lamb, you think of the, the sacrificial aspect of Christ. Mm -hmm. But here you have the sacrificial <laughs> aspect that it really, it's like, it's now Jesus. This is like yeah. the wrath of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, and what a, what a scary moment yeah. where it's like yeah. where Jesus, I mean, because the, the, uh, and, and rightfully so the imagery we have of Jesus when he was here was he was gentle and mm -hmm. he was compassionate and very soft and caring and so forth. But, uh, but when he comes back and, and, and that's what revelation does an incredible job of pointing out how rebellious people become. Yeah. 
of, of saying there is no repentance in their hearts. There is no remorse that every every time they have an opportunity to repent, they just get harder against God and against his people that literally hate Jesus yeah. and hate all of his yeah. followers and seek to destroy and kill and all of his children. So this this is that moment where God has given everyone every opportunity. And that's what you just have to yeah. you know, I remember a professor pointed out to me, he said, There's never gonna there's not gonna be this moment when we go into heaven and you have all these people going, Oh, I really wanted to go to heaven, I really want to serve mm-hmm. Jesus, but nobody ever shared him with me and right. if they just shared him with me then that's not gonna that will mm-hmm. not be the reality. Mm-hmm. No. The people who do not go to heaven are people who do not want to go to heaven, yeah. who do not want to submit to Christ, who do not want to serve him and and have fellowship with him and so forth. And and sometimes that damages our, our emotional pleas mm-hmm. during an altar call, but but it uh but the but it's the truth. And and I think that the truth is sufficient to bring yeah. people to Christ. The uh the but here you have this picture of I, I remember movies like Armageddon and Deep Impact and and those kind of opened up my eyes to how this would look, you know, as far yeah. as just devastation raining upon the earth and whether you see them as nuclear missiles coming down or actual meteor showers or, or whatever, whatever the case, I think we all have seen enough to know that when when God unleashes, he has plenty of power to mm-hmm. unleash forces upon the earth to wreak great havoc to where people will be afraid and they will hide Very, themselves. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and that's all he's saying is there, there will come a time when, uh, and, and you see this, we, we these are things we already know. This is not telling us anything that hasn't already happened because even the greatest, the mightiest, the strongest amongst us, um, when a tornado comes through, for instance, um, nobody stands in front of an F5 tornado and says, I'm not afraid of you. I'm, you know, whatever. And you might, but it'll, it'll take you all the same. Uh, and when people see that type of power unleashed, yeah. um, it, it, it evokes fear in us. Well, think about, I don't remember, it was some Middle Eastern country just not too long ago, and I can't think of it. When they were taking the U.S. troops out, the people of that nation were climbing onto the planes, and then they were falling off. Yeah. They did not want to be there. And that, yeah. I just that moment when I saw that those videos, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen them, yeah. but it's that moment of, whoa, like there's yeah. no escape. Yeah. Even as you tried, yeah. death was right there, and it was. But that's how it's going to be. Yeah. But more intense. Yeah. Uh, well, and after the fact, I mean, after yeah. the the escape is over. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, now, yeah. now now it's just nothing. now it's just the wrath is being unfurled. And and so the and so you hide you hide that's what you do yeah. you hide and wherever you can find a place to hide and 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 again we shared this about Revelation before everything that happens in Revelation has happened I mean mm-hmm. in some form on yeah. a smaller scale right. there just will be a time when it happens for the last time in mm-hmm. a final uh, conclusion and that's and that's why it's, he said it's like a woman in labor it mm-hmm. comes the, it comes in cycles so but there things, comes yeah. this final fulfillment where it it all it all ends and uh and so it, and and those it's so each time it happens every time a government rises and falls every time a city uh becomes filled with splendor and then is destroyed uh and the destruction so forth this is god saying this see this yeah. see what's happening this is going to happen on a yeah. grander scale so now is an opportunity to repent and you can see that when these things happen even today when destruction and wrath and judgment is unleashed that people do not respond with repentance mm-hmm. but instead respond with um with arrogance and pride and and it's like i i'm still not going to believe in god i'm still not going to trust in him and they mm-hmm. turn to other sources for hope so there was 
um, just real quick, for our listeners who are from the Southeast Missouri region, mm-hmm. um, we went to Elephant Rock not too long. I, it went on the 4th of July, actually, with some friends. And we were sitting, and we were eating lunch. Because when you go there, there's some picnic tables right to the right. And we sat there, and above you is like this, these overhangs of these massive granite rocks. And my friend was sitting there. Her name's Mariah. And she just goes, whoa, these aren't even mountains. But imagine calling this 20, 30-foot massive granite boulder to just fall on you mm. in the end of Revelation. And I just sat there and I like looked up at that thing and I was thinking, whoa, like I can't imagine desiring to be that to be fallen on me yeah. like at all. And in the book of Revelation, it says they're calling mountains. They would they yeah. would rather have mountains fall on them and completely crush them than to be under the wrath of God. And it was just like it was that like awakening moment of, oh, whoa, like that's going to be a very scary moment for those of us yeah. and not in Christ. And then, sorry, one more thing. I just yeah. love the seals. If you look, the, the first time, again, the first time I read Revelation, um, it just shocked me. And the people who are martyred by the faith and the fifth seal, mm-hmm. and they're underneath this, like, uh, I think they're underneath the throne or like something the, like that. Yeah. And they're just screaming for the Lord to seek vengeance. Mm. And I, that part, the first time I read it, scared me. I was like, oh, this is... This is scary. Yeah. There are they are seeking like the there is a time for justice and it's coming right. and these these people martyred murdered for the faith are calling out for vengeance against those people and again confidence like confidence in the Lord the Bible tells us that the vengeance is His and praise the Lord like we wouldn't mm. do it any justice yeah He's He is seeking justice the Lamb who looked like He had been slain right there in, in chapter five like whoa like he's coming right and that every time I, again every time i read revelation it's like this is jesus like this is who we serve right and so there's no need to weep like it's just so good it's so good i love the book of revelation mm. wow yeah that is it is it has its um sobering. highs and lows yeah it is, very, <laughs> it is sobering yeah and meant to be and meant to give yeah. us hope it's meant right. to give us hope it's not to meant to cause us despondency yeah, no. i think it only brings despondency to the wealthy <laughs> You know, yeah, it shows how affluent you are if you are saying, "I hope God doesn't come because I'm really enjoying my life right now." Yeah, then you don't know the persecution that the church yeah. was experiencing at the time. Yeah, Gosh, yeah. Well, when we come back, we are going to deal with some questions that uh, arose from our reading this week. So please stay with us. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. This is the section where we look at questions that arose in the reading. And always, as always, if you ever have a question about anything that we're talking about or anything in the Bible at all, feel free to contact us. You can email me at troy at fbcj.us, josh at josh at fbcj.us, and, um, or office at fbcj.us. It'll get to us. Um, but uh, just or just go to our website at fbcj.us and email, find figure out a way to contact us. But anyway, uh, we love to tackle questions in God's Word. So, Josh, give us a question. Okay. Jonah. Jonah. Four chapters. Seems super simple. Hmm. And Jonah 1 through 3 follows one storyline, and it makes sense. Okay. And then you turn to Jonah chapter 4, and he's sitting underneath this plant that the Lord sends. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord takes that plant away, and then Jonah gets mad at the plant. And I... 
I just legitimately have no clue what's going on <laughs> in Jonah chapter four. Did you I never watch, have? Have you watched the Veggie Tales? Yes, okay. and I still don't understand. Okay. And when I was in Bible college and we went through Jonah, I still don't know what the point of Jonah chapter four is. I have no clue. It is like a side movie, like another series that just doesn't yeah. make sense along the storyline. So what is happening? And how does it connect to anything that just happened? And I just have no. Well, idea. it connects with it, it. Actually, all goes flows together. <laughs> you have, the reason why Jonah it, uh, does not want to go to Nineveh is because Nineveh was a, a really an, an arch enemy of Israel, and right. they had uh, persecuted they were Assyrian. They were they were had persecuted the uh, um, the children of Israel, and and so he. He was afraid. I mean, you don't want to go and preach a message of repentance to a group of people that you don't want to repent. You just want them to die. You want them right. to be judged. You want God to pour out his wrath. And he was afraid they would listen to his message, so he didn't want to go share it. But then God swallowed him with a fish and vomited him up on the shore. And so then he realized he was going to have to do what God wanted him to do. So he did it. Reluctantly, he went and shared that which God told him to share and the result was the one he didn't want, which is that the people did repent. But he he left the he leaves the city and he goes up. Now he doesn't he knows uh, we're looking at the response of the people afterwards, but still he doesn't know what God is going to do in yeah. response to people or that it will be sufficient or whatever. So he he goes up hoping to watch the destruction of Nineveh. And uh, and so while he's up there with this front row seat to the destruction of the city, uh, the sun is beating down on him, and God causes a plant to grow and and sh- and provide shade for him, and and so he is and he is comforted by the shade. Now this, if you've ever taught school, this is a this is a teacher trick uh, when you're trying to learn how to discipline children uh, who are very difficult to discipline because you can't. Uh, you can't beat them, or you can't oh. use corporal punishment. I mean, well, you can't. You can't right. use corporal punishment. So, uh, and and so they're like, so you try to find things. So what you do is you introduce something that they love, and you get them to really love it, and then you take it away, <laughs> and that's and that's how you and it, it is very effective. Mm-hmm. And this is and and if you didn't know that before, you can learn this from God interacting with Jonah. He, Jonah's here. There's nothing that's going to make Jonah happy. There's mm-hmm. no really, I mean, it's already what you're going to do is not discipline. But but to teach him a lesson, uh, God gives him something that he loves. And uh, and so, and he begins to love the plant and appreciate what it does for him. And then God sends a worm and the plant dies. And Jonah laments the death of the plant. And God looks at Jonah and says, all right, you didn't know this plant. You didn't have this plant or whatever. And it's just a plant. Mm -hmm. And yet you grew feelings for it and are now lamenting at its death. How much more so should I lament the death of these, the city of thousands and thousands of people? And, and so that, you know, and that yet you have no feelings for them, Mm -hmm. no appreciation for them at all. You can't see anything good about it whatsoever. And yet, um, there, there is, there is. These are people who I would just want to give them the opportunity for life, and they, they seize upon it and take it. And, um, and I mentioned, um, and so, and but the 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 response of Jonah is is amazing to me because he says, uh, "Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?" And Jonah's response is, "Yes, it is right. <laughs> I'm angry enough to die." over the plant and uh, and so the lord says you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow uh it appeared in a night and perished in a night 
but may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, mm. which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left. And and what he's saying is who who have no idea whether what they're doing yeah. is right or wrong. And right. so he's like, you've been, you know, you come from Israel. I've given you the truth. You have right. all these things. He said, these are just, there's a lot of people here who don't even know, they don't, even know. don't even know the truth. And, uh, and so you just want me to wipe them all out. Uh, while there are evils that are being done by particular people and so forth, there are a lot of people who just have no clue what's right. happening. And, and they're all going to, you know, you would just be okay with them all perishing. Mm-hmm. And, and so here I'm trying to spare. It kind of takes you back to Sodom and Gomorrah when Abraham said, Abraham felt mercy for them and wanted to say, God, surely you would. When Abraham's kind of questioning, God, am I more merciful than you are? Right. And, and so God's like, no, you just don't understand. There are no righteous people left. That's why. Right. That's why wrath is coming. Right. They've had the opportunity to repent. They don't. They won't. They won't repent. Mm-hmm. Their hearts are completely hardened. Again, another picture of Revelation. Right. Um. And and so, uh, and he's like, so what if there are fifty? And God says, if there were fifty, I'd spare it. Mm-hmm. What if there are forty? If there are forty, I'd spare thirty, right. twenty, ten. And he gets down to ten. If he says, if you can find ten righteous people, um, right. then I'll spare it. There was Lot and his wife, and he had three daughters. That's uh, five already. Even, so basically, if each one of them reaches one, then the city's saved. Um, but they could, there weren't even that many people. No. Uh, so, so this is, so this is Nineveh. God's saying there's at least ten. <laughs> I guess yeah, is what you're saying. Right. And so, uh, so anyway, Jonah is is given this visual of of if you could care about a plant, surely I can care about people. Mm. But the little novelty part in here is where it says, uh, which has 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left. And then it throws in, as well as many animals. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah. it's like, where does that come from? It's like, uh, and some versions were as well as a lot of livestock or as well as cattle, uh, whatever the case is like. And there, and not only are there babies that are going to die, Jonah, there's also cows. There's animals. There's also some, some cows down there. What is that? And so you're like, ah, oh what is that about? But uh, it's just, just it's showing that it is actually showing the, that the fact that God does care about, there's also animals that are going to be destroyed. And, um, and so God does have a love for animals. It's not like he doesn't appreciate them. Okay, so. this was not in the questions, but yeah. you've, raised a question yeah. <laughs> i've been in two debates over this in the past week oh, so it's wow. interesting that you it's bring exciting. this up and now i'm scared that i've given people the wrong answer do do dogs go to dogs don't go to heaven okay no. good i've given the correct answer no but anyway but people ask me this they ask me if dogs will be in heaven yeah, if and I and I heaven. I think there will be, think there will be, there will be dogs in heaven. in heaven because heaven is just a, a redemption of right. a, a world that got originally yeah. created without sin, and so okay. and dogs were originally created by God. So okay. I think yes, they will continue to be, they will be in heaven, wow. but they don't have souls, so they don't. That's what I, they don't, I mean. So, I do say yeah, that. They and and, but, and a greater question is, and it is a question for yeah. debate. Oh yeah, is will you eat meat in heaven, and will animals still be produced for um, consumption? Someone asked or, me, or will they die in heaven? My and, professor and so, asked me yeah. in college, in my intro to the college class, you know, that I always have those. She goes, mm-hmm. um, she said, humans were made to be vegetarians. And I guess she had, had church background. And I was like, well, we can eat meat. And she was like, yeah, but there was no death introduced in the garden until. That's death. And, that's and a I de- was like, it's a debatable point. The, the question is, is, was a lion when he was created, did he have dull teeth? 
you know, or what has he always yeah. been? And, th and that is a, a subject of much yeah, debate is. that is before the fall, was there a redemptive form of, or a perfect holy form of, of anim eating animals or whatever? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a, a cut and dried answer. Yeah, right. So we don't, God doesn't, it's not revealed. So it's like, it is, that's why we debate about it. But, uh, uh, it is a great question, yeah. and uh, and and really, uh, it, I mean, do animals live forever in eternity? And and I don't, you know, I mean, because the idea of that we that everything lasts forever and lives forever and so forth, uh, that's one that we introduce into the narrative more so than is there. But um, and now uh, our death, our is is something that was not meant to be i mean because when the the tree of the garden of good, of good and evil yeah. uh, knowledge of good and evil but the tree of life uh was never expressed that animals were to eat of the tree of life um but um but anyway but so that's um again just one of those things that god will have to answer for you us when we see him a wormhole uh, for me to study i'm so sorry wow. yeah. yeah take some time with that's that one crazy yeah. okay all right next question hopefully somebody will actually listen to the podcast <laughs> and respond right yeah. Okay, Proverbs 30. Mm -hmm. So it feels completely different than the rest of Proverbs. Mm. And I'm super confused. Um, the first verse says, The sayings of Ar Agur, Agur. Mm -hmm. son of Jacob, contain this message. And then it goes into this whole like poem, basically. And so what's going on here in Proverbs chapter 30? It feels completely different from the book of, from all of Proverbs. And... No, Proverbs 31. Never mind. Hmm. Sorry, but it's just it's a whole different feeling. Well, it's not it's not this isn't the only section of Proverbs that has kind of a different feel to it because Proverbs is kind of like um the um uh the Psalms. Many of the Psalms are of David, mm -hmm. but it is a, it is a Psalter, it is a collection of Psalms and the book of Proverbs is a collection of Proverbs. Gotcha. Is a collection of wisdom. The overwhelming bulk of it comes from Solomon. Is it possible that all of it's Solomon and then they use these different names and so forth? That's possible. But it is uh, it's a collection of wisdom uh, that uh, is something that's being circulated this time. And these are the words of Agur, son of Jaka. But, uh, the, um, uh, and that's about all we've got. The um, We don't know much more than just that pronouncement. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it does... Um, it does imply that he has divine revelation of, of something that, and it is a unique portion of the book because you don't find that anywhere else in yeah, Proverbs. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a very worshipful part of the book. Yeah. Like it's not just like the past Proverbs have just been wisdom, 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 wisdom. And this is like mm. Lord. Like, yeah. Well, he, he even says the man's to oration yeah. to Ithiel, Ithiel unto you, Cal. And, and the, um, uh, that's found elsewhere in Numbers and in uh, in Second Samuel, but uh, in that type of 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 um, literature. But the yeah, it's it is. There's a lot of mystery in that. I, I can't give you. I mean, we don't have a lot more than that. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not unprecedented in the Old Testament, but it is um, it is unique to the Book of Proverbs here. Okay, sorry, one more thing. You said yeah. Ithiel. It what is Ithiel? What is that? That's the name then Proverbs chapter thirty verse one. Oh. The man's oration to Ithiel. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know what you said, sorry. It's okay. uh, the, the the that Hebrew phrase is uh, is found in, in Numbers chapter twenty four and Sam first um, Samuel something. Second Samuel twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well that's okay. all the questions I had today.
Well, excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, everyone, uh, for being a part of our podcast today. Like we said, we've only got two more for this season. And when we come back, uh, we hope that you'll watch the live stream, especially the first of the year, because we've got some set changes that are taking place. We've got new equipment. We've got new cameras. Well, we've already had new cameras, but we've got we got new stuff we're introducing and probably introducing a third person to the podcast. Ooh, so uh, that's exciting. But uh, but uh, for the next couple of times, it's just the same old, same old. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, join us next time on Understanding Jesus.